we're back with the Danger Room's 24 Days of Christmas. This year, we're doing one episode per affiliation, each with its own special guest. We made an effort this year to bring in some guests from all over the world. Sit back, listen, and Merry Christmas. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Christmas episode of the Danger Room. And today we will be talking Hydra with Smart Alec, a.k.a. Alec. Uh, how are you doing today, Alec? Good. How are you? Good. Doing well. Uh, so obviously we want to talk some Hydra, uh, some Red Skull and his, his cronies, but, uh, before we jump in, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Alec. I've been playing tabletop war games for uh, about a decade now. Got into MCP after playing War Machine, uh, whenever Dormammu came out. So I think that was about two years into the game and have been really enjoying it ever since. Awesome. Today, we're going to talk some Hydra. And how did you start playing them? Uh, when they first released, I really liked the Strucker leadership. I thought it was one of the most unique leaderships to come out. This was last year at some point. And I jumped on them, practiced them for a month, and took them to the SoCal Open last year. And did really well with them there. And they just kind of stuck. I'll, I'll play another affiliation for... Uh, a while and then it'll be crunch time for a big event and two weeks before i'll just end up switching back to hydra i did the same thing off of hydra at adepticon i was like i'd been playing them for a few months and then the night before the event i'm like i'm just gonna go play the avengers again so <laughs> uh yeah so let's jump in character character wise hydra has got a pretty cool roster so but when you sit down to start making a Hydra roster, who are those main characters from that affiliation list that you want to bring in? It's Red Skull, Master of Hydra, since the second one, uh, Baron Strucker, Baron Zemo the, from the original core set, and Spider-Woman are my go-tos in every roster. And why those ones? So is that Are they just that good? Is it just they fit what you're trying to do with the list, or is, are they going to cover pretty much whatever you want to do with the Hydra list? Those are the good characters in the list. Yeah, I think those are the probably the top four affiliated characters. You have two of the three leaders in there, and I both think they're pretty good leaderships, though they're kind of situational based on the crisis and your opponent, but they're the, the ones I would lean towards. Everyone knows now how strong Red Skull 2 is. His grunts are obscene, and you know when people were playing him with Malekith, they were just running tables. He's just a great model. Models. He's a great models. Strucker and Zemo are just fantastic threes. Zemo has just been a staple in the game forever. Strucker is, I think, a little underplayed. He's kind of immobile, but he hits really hard, which people don't expect, and he's surprisingly survivable. Leaving Strucker on one is like a death sentence. Like, it's so good. Yeah, you can just exceptional healing to make it happen. The cardinal sin of MCP is leaving someone on one HP, and he just capitalizes on that in spades. And then Spider-Woman is just crazy toolbox. I think she really flushed out the or fleshed out the affiliation when she released earlier this year. But just having a good four threat that wasn't named Red Skull was big. Interrogate on top of the conditions, on top of the spender that's makes someone drop extracts. She just does everything. What are we looking for beyond those sort of main includes? Usually the next ones I'll reach for are Viper uh, and Bob are probably the first, the next models I, I reach for. 
I know everyone scoffs at Viper. Uh, she never really had a home in Cabal because Mystique just outclasses her. But she's a really fast affiliated. If you like how fast Black Cat is, there's Viper. And she has the spender that places so she can kind of get some extra action efficiency in there. Bob is your affiliated two threat. I think under Red Skull is the only time I've ever seen him reload his rocket, which can get crazy. But mostly he's there because sometimes you just need a solid two threat for points. At least one of the lists you sent me, Crossbones, um, is in there. So what new Crossbones being affiliated, he's a, a specialist in my opinion, but is that uh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's an E-specialist, and he's good for that, especially if you're expecting the meta to have a lot of down-the-middle fights. He's great for that, even if you're not bringing them yourself. Usually, a squad will have him or Viper. They're not. It's not going to be a scenario shape that both of them like. Before, I would usually have to take her there, or I'd have to like fit in Taskmaster, who's fine. I think he's better than most people give credit for, but he's... Crossbones just fits the sturdy midline characters. Yeah, completely agree. So once we get out of those core, the Hydra characters that we've chosen to include here. uh, So just as a sort of, I'm going to run down Red Skull, Baron Strucker, Spider-Woman, Zemo, original Zemo, Crossbones, Viper, and Bob. Once we get past that, who are the splashes that we're looking to bring in? So I like looking for characters that... Uh, give status conditions so they have some synergy with Strucker leadership. I don't want to have to rely on passing back conditions. I just want them to have them innately themselves. I want those same characters to be tanky, to have some kind of damage reduction or high health pools or something like that so that they can make use of the healing and don't just get one shot. And characters that like extra power if I want to use the Red Skull leadership instead. So a lot of these, the first characters you see here are uh, seen everywhere because these both Crimson Dynamo and Beta Ray Bill, both of them are damage reduction characters that give out conditions on their own. So they fit Strucker very well. Both of them like having extra power, which Red Skull hands out if you're using that leadership instead. So they're both just good staples here. I think this is probably the best home for Bill that isn't uh, a home affiliation. I think Hydra just gives him more than most other places. I guess maybe Hellfire, uh, the sleeper agent tactics card on him can be obscene and under Red Skull leadership, using him for eyes on the prize lets him get to three power the following round. So he's not just a lame duck. After those two, the next character I usually reach for is also not a surprise in Black Cat. She just got tanky with her update. She gives out stagger pretty easily. She's great under Strucker for that, and she loves extra power to fund her movement and stealing abilities. So she's just also great for both leaders there. Yeah, and and I think that those those three each have easily identifiable synergies. Like Bill loves extra power, right? Like that, like that kind of thing. Knowing that he does that, but then with the Strucker half, he also gets to heal. Like they work both ways and at least Bill does. Black Cat does, I think too. Dynamo obviously being a specialist is he likes both leaderships, but certainly the healing is better for him with the shock. So I think you're already looking at sort of these meta splashes that are good to have in any list. And these leaderships I think are better for them than most. So uh, I I would say like as boring of answers as I think these things can be sometimes 
sometimes they are just correct. They're they're good for a reason. When I played Hydra at the beginning of the year, Bill was one of my favorite models. And I think he just fits so well into this home that it's like, why wouldn't you run these things? So And I think even if the meta changes and, you know, people don't need Bill anymore for to answer meta problems, or if, you know, it turns out that the new Spider Foes release and they dunk on Bill super hard, he would probably still get played here. Folks throw for two power is pretty good. So turns out. Um, Okay, so we've got our characters sort of rounded out and at least one version of this. Are there other characters that you would consider that either a splashes or even in Hydra that don't quite make the cut here. So I used to like running original Sabretooth when Malekith was the big scary meta threat. Him having a clap back would let him heal out of activation using structure leadership, which was cute, especially if you could like sacrifice onto him or exceptional healing and his add dice for damage on the character could really let him chunk some of the big Kaiju models out there. But I don't, run him i haven't run him in a while similarly venom is you know another model that can heal out of activation there and not only if he does the spender but if he does his builder as well and give them a bleed he'll heal too okay so characters we've got pretty rounded out let's move to tactics cards so what what tactics cards do you run with this list it's your standard fare use fallback is probably my go-to card all the time for restricted cards we're using sacrifice and brace we use eyes on the prize when we're using bill no matter the cost to ramp up some of these key spenders make them happen a little faster with black cat and spider woman especially affiliated card wise i really like sleeper agent especially on bill suddenly your opponent can't react to his throws until you decide to attack with him. And maybe not even then if you weaken someone enough that maybe he can just kill them anyway and keep the subterfuge active. Affiliated cards and then only mention Sleeper Agent. And I think that's the only one that probably is is really runnable in a competitive sense. I think of Hydra as the uh, mad scientist faction. A lot of their tactics cards have these crazy powerful effects, but also are super hard to pull off. So you feel very good when they happen, but they don't happen all the time. And that's things like occult research for Red Skull, getting him to 10 power. I like that card a lot better now that cosmic obliteration exists and he can clear the stagger immediately. But I've found that it doesn't happen reliably enough. Like usually the game is over around the time he's ready to pull off this combo anyway. I actually do really like World Domination, and I do play that one in another ver- in the other version of this, this roster, but it brings in uh, a lot more characters that have control. So I splash in like Ghost Spider, who likes the extra power from Skull and helps get the World Domination to happen. And I like splashing Red Guardian as well, who also brings control and some protection for your team uh, in his Comrade's Keeper. Yeah, most of the other cards I don't find are worth it in a competitive sense. They're certainly fun. Like, Inevitable Trail is a good laugh when you tell Kingpin that he actually doesn't get to score that point this round. On the Cosmic Obliteration front, that's a card that is new in the new core box. How have you found that card? I liked it a lot. It's been great. Being able to play it it for no cost and clear conditions from uh, Red Skull is the biggest reason to play it. And it just has icing on the cake where he can spend power to give out conditions. A lot of people will want to control uh, Red Skull because he hits so hard, and it's a good way to at least deal with the condition side of controlling him, right? 
yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think this helps him because in Hydra specifically, I found that he's a much more he's much more vulnerable to control. He doesn't get the Malekith place. The grunts can't help him with like the you know the leadership and things like that. So in Hydra, especially, it is much more important that he keeps every action available to himself, especially given that he can't stagger is the only thing he can't get rid of with Strucker's leadership. So like you said, that stagger removal is really important. I'm going to largely slip past the restricted cards, um, brace and sacrifice, unless there's acute synergy that you want to highlight. I think these have become the generically good cards for most lists. Do note that with sacrifice, because you can't add dice, if you sacrifice onto Red Skull, his armor will not give him extra dice. So he'll be just using his base stats no matter what. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning sacrificing onto Bob is forever hilarious. These are just good cards, and Brace, if you're like, I'm going to jam Red Skull and he's going to be the only thing I care about, maybe you can get away with not running it in a, an energy-heavy beta. That's probably not a great idea either. So so the other one that I want to talk about, or the other two that I want to talk about, so first, I am a Baron after all. So this is Zemo's new card uh, that gives him like one of a number of effects. How would you use this? However I want, because he's a Baron after all. It's a very versatile card. You can use it early for an extra power if you are feel you need to be very aggressive and just walk charge immediately. That's probably not the best use. I like saving it until I feel like I need to use it in a situation. So that's, you know, your opponent left him on one. Great. It's a great time to heal him for two, three, or four based on the round. Or, man, it'd be a, be nice if I had an extra two power so I could Master Swordsman this round in addition to Steel Rush, or make sure I have power after using Steel Rush so I can pick up the objective if I kill them. Those are most of the ways I end up using it for the for the health or the power, though I will use it for the rerolls if something absolutely has to die this round. What about Eyes on the Price? Have you, do you use it to allow yourself to play that with Zemo? Not really. Most of the time I'm using it with Bill, especially under if I'm using Red Skull's leadership. And I just don't like using two tactics cards for that safe grab. It's certainly an option you could do, like set up both Bill and Zemo across, you know, both hammers if you don't have priority. And then you get to pick or you get to do a safe grab no matter which one your opponent picks. I just think you get more use out of the card if you save it to later. I, I agree. I just I wanted to hear it from somebody who's actually has experience with it. <laughs> And then the other one is Sucker. This is a card that's been out forever. Why Sucker? A lot of the big meta models now require their power to do things. If it's Cosmic Ghost Rider, an opposing Beta Ray Bill, or Crimson Dynamo, or, well, you can't do it Hulk, so that doesn't matter. But these characters all need their power to function well, and Hydra can put enough through enough damage through to injure them. And then if you can manage to do that while keeping priority, you can then drain them of all that power, make them useless on the next round as well. This is the kind of card where the effect seems good. The cost is high. And so finding out how to use it efficiently, there's definitely value there, but it seems like the challenge is probably when do I bring it? When is it going to be relevant? But someone like Dynamo can just pay for this all day. If you're using Red Skull leadership in that game, you're likely going to have more power to use anyway. And you don't always have to hit uh, to drain the entire stack the opponent has there, right? Sometimes you just need to get them below a threshold so that they're, you know, functionally useless or they need to need their dice to spike in order to, to do enough. You get Bill to one power, two power, that's probably okay. You know, then he's not guaranteed or anything like that. You don't usually need to drain it all the way. You just need to hit the threshold to where they are less effective. 
So I think the only Texas cards we hit on sort of the generic ones at the beginning, your fallbacks, your your eyes, no matter the cost. Kick them while they're down is in here. And I don't, I mean, that one I think got talked about a lot at the beginning of the year, but is certainly much less so now. Why kick them? Yeah, it, it's your dark rain. Because you're already bringing a lot of characters that hand out a lot of conditions, just because you're trying to maximize striker leadership, it, you're already giving out these conditions. So you might as well capitalize on them even more. And so you just stack a couple of conditions on something, play kick them, and kill them. Even if you're playing Red Skull, you're probably bringing Spider-Woman and Zemo anyway. There's already a handful of conditions you can pass out there. If you're bringing Black Cat as well, which I often do in Red Skull squads, you know, you have that extra stagger. And that's like three, four conditions you can stack on top of some. Yeah, and you have some built-in rerolls, so it synergizes nicely between Zemo and Strucker. So you can really get some stuff going and kick them while they're down right before Bob goes into a into a kick them rocket is forever hilarious. Let's move into crises then. Let's start with extracts. What extracts are you running? The extracts are kind of a mixed bag. I don't want them to be too fast or too slow, so I'm running a bit of everything. I like things like Deadly Legacy Virus because it's a lot of points and in the middle. Hammers is fine. Scrolls is kind of the big generic middle of the road extract that is probably my favorite. I have enough long movers in here to pick up the home one and leave that I like it a lot. I think that Struggle for the Cubes can be pretty good with Red Skull. Well, Red Skull or Strucker, but Red Skull, you can really race your opponent with how much power you're getting. Since you're getting two for every one that they're, they're getting. Meanwhile, under Strucker, you can heal back the damage it's doing. Bill is especially good there, right? He can reduce the damage he takes and still get the power from Red Skull leadership. So I kind of like taking a slow, a medium, and a fast and see how it goes. Hydra isn't... Right, they're not the top tier attrition team or the top tier scenario team. So I don't mind bringing a mixed bag and making my opponent kind of hope they get the right one if they pick their own secures. Yeah, I like that idea because it's not something you often hear people say, I'm going to bring my two best extracts and then the third one I'm iffy on and you're just like, whatever, <laughs> I'll just I'll just play anything. Yeah, I, I just I don't think any of them are much better than the rest that is worth saying. Like, these are my two best extracts. I think they're all... Or at least all the ones I mentioned are fine. Because you don't care particularly for anything, I would imagine that means you can sort of run whatever you want. Just evaluate the extracts and say, how bad is this? For, what's the worst case scenario? And then if it's, you can just pick the ones you like playing. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I would advise against Montessi while you're probably bringing some mystic four thread or four defense characters in Strucker and Zemo that put stress on your red skull armor and spider woman since she uh, can't count blanks for the mystic beam and it's better into bill than most other things i also don't like that there's just one thing in the middle i also don't really like spiders i don't like red skull getting pushed around or crossbones it, you know you're on an opponent's e-shape and bringing him a lot of the other or strucker doesn't like getting pushed around either a lot of the other splash characters i bring though are okay at getting pushed but it's just not a, a thing i want when there's so many extracts and eventually red skull gonna kill someone and have to pick up the extracts and i don't want it to have to be a spider then let's move into secures what secures do you run and and why so if you're planning on using world domination, I like Fisk a lot. You can, with Red Skull, move his grunts onto one and him on the other when you have priority. And you did it. Congratulations. You've earned yourself a point and one extra power on every character. If you're doing this, I highly recommend having 
Gwen right behind Red Skull so she can immediately lifesaver him if he gets in trouble. You could also splash someone like Medusa or the Howling Commandos to the next activation, move up and move him backwards into safety. It's cute. I liked it a lot, but when I could also guarantee Theodon Terrigen back before the crisis changes, I I would still do it. The meta's gotten more killy, but I think it's hard for someone to punish Red Skull immediately when they're. Don't do that into a Cosmic Ghost Rider or probably not Deception if it's there. You can position Red Skull and Grunts close enough, but if Mystique walks forward and kills the Grunts, then you have no protection from it. So if there's a way for the opponent to easily displace Red Skull before they put attack into him, don't do that. But otherwise, I like this. I think it's pretty good for both leaders. Just either. It kind of gives your opponent a reason to not so Red Skull gives your opponent a reason to not move the Fisk secures onto your characters, because then you're going to get a power from the leadership, which benefits you, even though you're still taking a damage in the stun. And then if they are using Striker leadership instead, now you're stunned, you have a condition you can pass back to the opponent. Uh, you know, your Wolverines and your Hulks are could be a problem for those specific, like that plan for the Striker leadership. That's where you bring kick them, throw a bunch of other conditions on them, and just melt them down. Other secure I really like is Sort. The... Red Skull's grunts and him both being able to flip pretty easily is fantastic. You can just move the grunts around the board, checking uh, checking at least two of the um, those consoles for free uh, is put a lot of stress on the opponent. They really have to kill them, which takes away from their actions going into the rest of your characters. And it's tight enough that a lot of your strategic genius reroll bubbles can affect a lot of your models and everything's in punching range for Red Skull. That's also why I like bringing Viper and Zemo are both exceptionally fast to move around the sword and flip as needed while also putting in some attrition work. So do you find that the threat being lower on these is problematic for you? It's annoying. That's that's why we're we're built around kick on and other ways to like take down big models or annoy them, right? If I like bringing Gwen so she can annoy big models pretty pretty well with just a lifesaver. I have Black Cat, she can help stagger them and and limit those big models when opponents while I also hit hard into them myself with count blanks and count skulls characters. Or re-roll as much as you want Zemos. So they're an annoying matchup, but you once you learn how to deal with it, they all kind of play similarly. It's it's about building the term I first like build a catcher's mitt for, you know, the Malekith coming in or the Hulk coming in and just lay into them. As far as other secures, like let's say you had to pick three new ones, what would those be? Like what what's on your mind as far as other good stuff that you like to play on? Because these are three very weird secures you don't see teams running these three together so what else is out there did i mention the third secure i think it's deadly meteors that's just another midline i like the pay to flip as well for skulls grunts just help a lot i actually really like that they are underplayed prices i think that gives you an edge into most players who don't have experience on them so if you play and practice these you're going to catch the opponent off when you win prior and pick these and they're going to have a hard time adapting if they're used to playing you know if they're a web player and they used to only play on their own d shapes or always playing fighting teams that always bring the e shapes and these are different enough than those that it can mess with people who are unpracticed on them but if i had to pick some other more typical secures riots spark over extremists is pretty good for red skull because he can take damage and then later have the grunts heal him is pretty neat I think that teams like Hellfire are 
I think most of the control teams are better than Hydra on that, just because they're often bringing tankier models and doing more with it, doing more with the healing. Demons is okay. It's funny when you incinerate someone off of a grunt attack using structure leadership from your backline, and like they're very handy to just sit in the back and shoot, right? Like you're not, no one important is getting incinerated anymore. It doesn't matter. But I think that's a place where a team like Guardians is still just better than you because they're more of a gun line and you, most of your characters are range three at most. So you have to make your way into them while they just shoot you. Yeah, I think I think the Bucky nerf was bad for the Strucker list running demons. Like that, that was one way that I ran it before and it was just, it's not doable anymore. I think that... Three threat Bucky with Soldot in Hydra is probably one of the places I I could still see him being good, just because you now have access to rerolls to help you know get the wild for your rapid fires. And Soldot giving you the extra power means you know you can shoot back if they kill your leader, or if they don't kill your leader, you still get to shoot them back. But I'm not. It's not a style I've enjoyed. The I think there is a reasonable wide Hydra list that just jams a whole bunch of three threats. So you throw in Soldat, Bucky, the three threat, you throw in Invincible Iron Man, Stark Armory, you throw in uh, Arnim Zola, even probably makes a spot in this roster for more rerolls. And you just have, uh, with all the layers of reroll bubbles, no matter if who's activating, if your opponent kills someone, it doesn't matter that just a three threat, you have another one that also gets a bunch of rerolls to try to, you know, do maximum damage to people. So I think that's a neat way that probably works best on E-shaped secures. So your your demons and your your gamma. It's not a style I like to play. I like playing wider shapes. And uh, I think there are other teams that do it as well or better than you, like Shield or Guardians are the ones that come to mind. I can buy that. It sort of wraps up the crisis piece of the conversation, um, and that's the list sort of as a whole. As you're getting into Hydra, what what is the learning curve for picking up a, this roster? The first one is figuring out which leader you want to run. Most of the time when I started, I would put both on the table and then decide at deployment after deployment based on what my opponent's squad was. So if they weren't giving out any conditions that I needed to return to sender, I would probably run Red Skull. Uh, but as you get better at reading opponents' rosters, you can start figuring out what kind of characters they're probably going to play, and you can build a better squad off the jump and leave one of the leaders at home. So if you can, when you get better at guessing what your opponent is going to play, you get a better squad out of it. The... In general, if it's a wide secure, I usually prefer playing Red Skull. If it's a tight secure, it would be Strucker Leadership. Often, Red Skull will still stay there. If I'm on Demons because my opponent brought it, I'm still bringing Red Skull because I want those grunts to sit on the back point so I don't have to put any actual models in danger. But usually the Strucker Leadership will do you do more work there. Also, know when you need to leave Skull 2 on the bench. There's some characters that he just cannot handle. And those are the ones that can easily switch between energy and mystic attacks. So primarily, these are your Supreme Strange, your Red Skull Master of the World, the new one from the corset, your Psylocke, and actually the Rogue as well are like the four big characters that I'm scared of that are on the table. If any of the first three are likely to hit the table, I might just 
I'd probably just don't play him. If it's a rogue, I would put him on the table and hope to avoid that matchup. Um, and that's mostly because when you are picking your Leviathan armor each round, you want to pick it based on the effects more than the dice. So if your opponent has a bunch of throws, you want the mystic side of the armor, and you're just going to leave it there, even if they have no mystic attacks. Into Avengers, it's usually just sitting on the mystic side, even though Dr. Boot is the only one that can like actually throw a mystic attack into them. They just have too many friends. If you're into Web Warriors, you're keeping it on the energy defense side, which is handy because that's where most of their spenders are anyway, or I'm thinking of like Miles and Spider-Woman. But you really don't want to get pulled by Gwen or a Venom or a Peter. I think that's really interesting that you're just not, you don't care about the defense dice for the most part. You're just like, I know that the effects are stronger and it's what I have to, like it's the only tool that I feel confident in is sort of that removing some of the variance of the defense dice and saying, I know these effects will be what's important. Yeah. I mean, if my opponent has none of those effects and if my opponent has zero collision damage, and has a bunch of energy attacks, then yeah, I'll use it for the dice against the energy attacks. But most of the time, if there's if they have energy attacks and collision damage, I'm gonna use the collision immunity side. And that's because like, especially for collisions, getting anything thrown into you is much more than an energy attack they can throw out. A size three getting thrown at you is four successes, which is kind of like an eight die attack. And if they have an eight die mystic attack, they still need to get lucky and get it right. Like, or lucky, there's still a chance of them whiffing. Whereas I'd rather guarantee taking zero damage from the throw. It's one of the things that's sort of obvious as you think about it, but isn't always obvious until you like say it out loud. A throw is just imagine if you just rolled four hits on your four die attack. I mean, that's what a three size three is. So yeah, it's, it's a really good way to think about it and sort of help make some of those decisions. Yeah. Any other learning curves? I think those were the best ones. Make sure you're standing on secures so you get extra power for reds. If you're using Red Skull leaderships, contesting extract that's on the ground counts. So you don't need to be holding it to get power. And that includes researcher points, like the back points. That, yep. That includes the evac points. If you use huge base model, you can get it turn one on E's and D's, uh, provided you can line up right on it. Great if you're using Hulk. I guess honorable mention to Hulk. I used him a lot before Bill as my sleeper agent. He's still great for that. I just like the using a four threat for that instead. If you're playing Bill in that sleeper slot, you're leaning much more into the control aspect of what Bill's going to be doing. You're, you're trying to double walk throw a lot of the time. Whereas with Hulk, you're really leaning into the damage, setting up setting up those big punches, because Bill's five die punch is nothing compared to Hulk's big big punch. <laughs> yeah, with Hulk you can actually like throw, see how much they dodge, and if they're on one or two health, you can take an opportunistic slap and probably keep your subterfuge. I think we hit on this throughout, sort of with with the squad configurations and especially it being such a learning curve that common squads aren't really necessarily a thing here. There's common, you know, you're bringing red skull when you can um, as much as possible, but is it fair to say that it's, this list is very dynamic in its squad choice. Yeah. I found that if you're on a D shape, it's usually as red skull and as many of your long movers uh, as you can fit in. So that'll be skull 
Zemo, and then whether you pick Spider-Woman or Viper kind of depends on points. And then probably throwing in Black Cat and Gwen, and you're kind of playing it like Web Warriors do, kind of trying to displace and capitalize on going where your opponent has already activated. And then if they ever, while, while Red Skull and Zemo just try to kill where they are, you probably want to bring Spider-Woman if you can. It depends on points, but. And then if you're on a tighter secure, you're more likely to bring Strucker, Crossbones, and then depends from there what you want, right? Depending on what you think your opponent's going to bring. So you'll probably want Red Skull if you think you need a heavy hitter, which you likely do because most squads bringing these heck a punch. But if you want to try to be more survivable, you'll bring your Ghost Spider, Black Cat, and Bill in some combination to try to survive. Yeah, and I I think that a lot a lot of this gets to is just how, and even I mean even playing Hydra in an event last weekend and played him in an event the weekend before that, and all three lists were sort of different and we're doing different things. You know, we've gotten through this cast and talked about kind of two different lists that you're running, and we haven't talked about Zemo, the new Zemo at all. We haven't talked. To, I mean, we've briefly mentioned Zola and things like that. Um, Hulk was like, yeah, I don't run Hulk with Bill there. And so Hydra to me seems very much like a, we can do a lot of different things and you sort of have to experiment and figure out what that means for you. Yeah. It turns out that Hydra has many heads and a lot of separate divisions, each working towards their own goals. We can talk about the museum a little bit. Personally, I'm not a fan. His, I think his leadership is neat. I liked it a lot more before I put it on the table. I liked that you can get an extra tactics card after deployment. So you get to see it after squads are revealed. I like that it enables some uh, cool turn one plays with eyes in the prize and especially advanced R&D. It kind of reminds me of Mystique's leadership where uh, you get you know, just with like little extra power that can push you over the edge to do some, some strong things early on or when I, whenever you play the tactics card. I don't like that it's on a four threat. I think the opportunity cost of losing, uh, the three threat Zemo is too high. He, he has some like the glue gun is cool. If it hits and if it doesn't, it feels sad. And by if it hits, I mean, if you hit at least a wild, which on basically six dice is like 60%, right? I think the chances of hitting the individual triggers are 60, 40, and 20 and feels great when it happens. And when it doesn't, especially because he's not generating power and might not even be doing damage, it just doesn't. It doesn't hit the sweet spot. I really like what you said about comparing him to three threat Zemo. He's he's this model. I think is has a lot more game than maybe he's getting credit for. There's some unique exploration to do there, but he's just not comparatively enough at all. And like, it's not close <laughs> quite frankly. So uh, yeah, I think it's a tough sell for him. Yeah. And like, if you're playing something like timelines where you can't, pl- you cannot play the original Zemo. I'd consider him more. But then the problem in timelines is that Eyes on the Prize and Advanced R&D are not there. So you're just kind of 
like I, it's the question is how much is the one extra tactics card worth? Is that worth your entire leadership basically? Um, though in timelines, I guess you can't get skull to anyway. So maybe it's okay. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, it seems to have a lot of opportunity cost, especially right after you've told me all the cool things that the rest of Hydra can do. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, about wraps up the questions that I have. So anything else you want to say before I ask a fluff question? No. And I'm all set. As the fluff question is, if you could have any character added to MCP, any, any Marvel character, who would it be? So if I had to add a Hydra character, it would be Hive. Uh, who's that? He's on the their high council. He's a, a parasite. It depends on which comic you're reading, but he's like an alien parasite. He would take over people's bodies with parasites. That'd be kind of cool. I could imagine him having a, a tactics card that kind of like Dr. Restoration restores a dead friendly model back to the field, but they can't be as powerful as they were because, you know, now they're just a, a puppet. So I would have them become his grunt when that happens. I think that'd be cool. And then, you know, they basically lose all their superpowers because they can't have power and you just get their stats of their body running around. But non-Hydra is definitely Nico Minoru. We need more wizards. Convocation needs some love, and I think she's the best one to do that. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. Thank you, Alec, again for coming on. This was fun. I, I always enjoy talking with people who are better at affiliations than I am, um, which is most of them, and certainly all of these conversations. So it's, it's good to, to learn, and especially as so much has changed with some of these affiliations in the last three months it's like it's kind of crazy to try and digest it all yeah hydra got like five characters this year maybe six and i'm using two but i'm using two new cards so that's also good uh two is better than zero so i think anything that gets gets people playing playing more of these affiliations and and seeing how they can be unique like crossbones i imagine in cabal versus hydra being a specialist he's going to do the same thing but he's going to feel different you know he's going to be uh, much stickier i feel like in hydra than he is in cabal just because of the the way the leadership works and things like that so it's very it'll be very interesting to see how that evolves for some of these characters so but with that we'll say thank you for coming on really appreciate the, the expertise and listeners we'll talk to you next time